back to The Minute Who Shagged Me, where we go through the Austin Powers movies one minute at a time, continuing with The Spy Who Shagged Me. I'm Johnny, and I'm joined once again by my guest, and he is... Rick from The Mad Max Minute. And you're back to your regular schedule on a Wednesday. Yes. Oh my gosh, I feel so comfortable right now. Hump day, camel day. There's a bunch of camels in Beyond Thunderdome, so I'm all about that hump day. Perfect. You get to celebrate every Wednesday. Yep. Walking around the office, just shouting at my coworkers. Hey, Deborah, guess what day it is? And they're like, Rick, I just don't really have time for this. And you're like, here's a picture of a camel from uh, the Thunderdome. Um, and he tells me that it's hump day. So <laughs> say in the post-apocalyptic desert, when you have a camel, every day is hump day. What a weird existence to live in. <laughs> So, today is all about Minute 33, um, and it actually begins with, and I'm the man who's who will be killing you now. It's Mustafa's subtitle. It's like, you've got a movie poster of this man's life, and the main title is Mustafa, and you've got colon, the man who will be killing you now. <laughs> He has to announce it, mm-hmm. um, along with a very interesting exclamation, Daktari. Yeah, okay. it is Swahili for doctor. Okay, so I got that, but did you also uh, happen to like just type in the word and do nothing else? <laughs> I typed in the word and then I found an article about it and I found a couple of things. I'm assuming that you found the article all about the television show. Mm-hmm. There's also a soundtrack album for that show by Shelley Mann also by that title. Well, it's interesting because the show ran from 66 to 69. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about a veterinarian. And apparently, one of the stars of the TV show was Judy the Chimpanzee. Yep, I'm reading the article here. It says, Doctari was based on the 1965 film Clarence the Cross-Eyed Lion which also stars Thompson as Dr. Tracy and Miller as his daughter. The concept was developed by producer Ivan Tours, inspired by the work of Dr. Antoine Marinus Harthorn and his wife Sue at their animal orphanage in Nairobi. So Clarence was actually a lion's real name, too. It wasn't just a random lion. I love it when they take these fearsome animals like lions and bears and tigers, oh dear, (laughs) and give them just dumb names. Like, I apologize to anyone who's actually named Clarence in real life, but that's a dumb name. I mean, it's especially um, dumb for a apex predator. Yeah. To be named like um, just a mundane like white guy. I've got to wonder... When you're dealing with apex predators in a captivity, do you give them 
these terrible names as a way of just demoralizing them? Is this a roots situation where you've got your noble and proud LeVar Burton and you're like, your name's Toby. And he's like, no, my name's Kuta Kinte. I mean, maybe. Uh, unfortunately for Clarence, he was actually cross-eyed. So <laughs> I feel like that makes it worse, better, worse. Oh, poor guy. It's rough because lions are known for their incredible leaping, their incredible leaping ability. Like lions can leap, I want to say twenty to thirty feet. That's horizontally, not vertically, by the way. Yeah, but at the same time, like as a cat owner, or in more um, nice terms, a cat mom, <laughs> uh, my cats are very clumsy. Like exceptionally so so i'm sure lions can be too especially when they're cross-eyed especially when they're cross-eyed but you know just generally like normal eyed lions are probably clumsy sometimes too <laughs> i would love to see some of those internet videos that feature clumsy cats and just replace them with larger predator cats like oh i don't remember the band who sang it but there's this one video of a cat who's creeping along a walkway and you're hearing the beginning of this song that's called Sail. And the cat gets ready to leap, gets on its haunches, tenses all of its muscles, and then as the song reaches the part where the singer just yells Sail, the cat goes to jump, its paws slip on the sill that it's sitting on and it just drops straight down. It's even better in real life when your real cats do that. I want to see that with a lion. <laughs> Just to really hammer home that you know they used to be top dogs. Lions to... are cats too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they used to be hot shit on the safari, but now they're nothing. Now they're just a cross-eyed Clarence. Exactly. Of course, I'm saying all this as someone who would be immediately torn to shreds if I ever came face to face with a lion. <laughs> they he'd would fuck like, me up. He'd be like, call me Clarence now. <laughs> call me clumsy now. <laughs> Say my name. <laughs> Say my name. So, um, in this minute, after he yells Doctari, which, why are you yelling doctor in Swahili as you're trying to kill someone? Well, obviously he's yelling it because Austin Powers is soon going to need a doctor once Mustafa is done doing the violence that he's intending. But his weapon looks like a, a sharp boomerang. I, I don't think, know what it is, though. I think it's called a kukiri knife. Let me double check that real quick. Are we just like, is it more like Swahili stuff? All right, it's not a kukiri, it's a kukri. Uh, it, it, it's originally from the Nepal area. Okay, we're mixing backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially a machete-style knife. Very popular in the Indian Peninsula. He's all over the place. Well, he's a international man of substance 
you don't run around in a fancy suit and a fez if you haven't been well traveled, <laughs> I would assume. I mean, you could. You would just look like a jackass, but. True. Very true. <laughs> so apparently, his um, Nepalese knife does not work. Oh, his his martial arts are no match for whatever Austin is pulling out. The judo chop. <laughs> you gotta you gotta always pull out the judo chop. That's his like signature. But it's it's like judo chop pistol whip. <laughs> so you're taking the already lethal judo chop and you're adding the increased lethality of a potential bashing from the butt of a gun. I love it. Classic spy maneuver. But uh, Austin's clearly not the capable one yet again because all he does is hope that his judo chop, judo chop to pistol whip combo is going to be good enough. But Felicity's like, hell no, I'm going to grab him. I'm going to put a gun to his head and we're going to really get the information out of him. Oh my gosh, yes. Felicity swoops in like a boss and just headlocks Mustafa. He is trapped with that gun pressed up against his temple. And Felicity is one pull of the trigger away from splattering this guy's head all over the highway. Oh yeah. She's deadly serious here but we get to find mustafa's weakness now mm -hmm. um probably the stupidest weakness <laughs> i've ever seen you say stupid i would say it's rather unfortunate i mean to so for everyone who might be just listening to this and not watching the movie. What are you doing? Stop. Go watch the movie now. I'm kidding. <laughs> but Mustafa has just an awful pet peeve that he cannot stand being asked something three times in a row. And to have a pet peeve that has that much control over your action. Oh, that must be awful. That must be some sort of like obsessive compulsion oh yeah that's some ocd shit for sure but i love how much of a front he puts up for those first two questions the whole you'll have to kill me and then kiss my ass and then on the third who sent you it's just dr evil and then they're both like what yeah i love that felicity's assumption was confirmed yeah, they didn't need to ask that question. I don't know why they started with that question. But, I mean, I guess confirmation doesn't hurt. And they confirmed that there is a weakness. Mm -hmm. So, it was a little too easy. So, I like, because I figured that Austin would not ask a follow-up question of like, oh, he told us that's cool, and then just go on and... Felicity's like, why? Oh, I I got so distracted with this shot because there is a fly that lands on Mustafa's nose while Felicity is asking, why did you tell uh, us? And it. then it flies away. And oh, how terrible. Just have a bug on your face and you can't swat it away because you're being head headlocked by a CIA agent. <laughs> <laughs> and she's obviously not going to help you, so. No. It's more torture. I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
That's like Guantanamo level torture right there. Oh, it must tickle. Oh, you gotta sneeze. Ugh. Ugh. I don't like bugs landing on me, let alone my face. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> so he says, I can't stand to be asked the same question three times in a row. It his, irritates him. His three question rule is interesting because it only seems to be related to questions that he doesn't seemingly want to answer. They only ask him once, why did you tell us? And then he just gives it up right away. They don't have to ask him three times, why did you tell us? Why did you tell us? Why did you tell us? Yeah. You would think that, like, you would also not want them to know that answer. Yeah. I don't know. He's a funny guy. Man, just... You think... The people that you hire are going to be effective and get results, and then they go out and just blab their weakness <laughs> to someone who's got a who's pressing a gun up against their face. Like, just sometimes you just can't find reliable people. And then this would be a perfect segue for an ad for a zip recruiter <laughs> if we had one. <laughs> This is exactly where I'd put my zip recruiter ad if I had one. Right here, you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But it really would. It would be perfect like segue in and right out because um he still puts up enough of a fight with the next question. Mm -hmm. To maybe like gain his reliability back, but I mean Austin's obviously going to ask three times because he knows the weakness. Stupid Mustafa. Oh man. Now, Mustafa's response to the first time Austin asks him where Dr. Evil is hiding, he says, I'm just one of his low-level functionaries, and that is a blatant lie. Like, yeah. come on. He's on... He's important enough to Dr. Evil's organization that he has a seat at the table. He has a button with his name on it. You don't get a button with your name on it when you're just a low-level functionary. I would rather be a low-level functionary because it seems like those people get killed less <laughs> than the people closest to Dr. Evil. Right. He can't kill like the Starbucks baristas as easily as he can kill Mustafa. <laughs> uh, I could be wrong. He could have a button for them. He very well could. There are trapped behind that bar. It's not like they can go anywhere. You just have one button, it opens up the entire Starbucks section, and they all just whoop, drop right out. And they're in the Space Needle, so they when they drop right out, they drop right out. That's worse than the Hellfire <laughs> Pit. <laughs> yeah. So, Mustafa says, you'll have to torture me. Then he asks him again, damn, three times. Like, what? <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? reminding them of his weakness that would be like a classical tale where Achilles is out on the battlefield and he's fighting one of his enemies and they're trading blows it's classic sword and sandal situation and Achilles says oh better watch out for my ankle that's my weak spot 
Like, I don't think I could see who played <laughs> Achilles in that movie, Troy. Was it Brad Pitt? Yeah, I think it was Brad Pitt. Like, I don't think I could see Brad Pitt doing something like that. Maybe eating in the middle of the scene. I could see Brad Pitt doing that, but that's an entirely different trope altogether. <laughs> well, I think... Hmm, I don't know. I think the thing that saves him is, like, the end of this minute is he has to be asked them absolutely consecutively that's the flaw behind this three question logic mm -hmm. it just i i guess it's like a roundabout way of like you'll get more tired of asking me three times consecutively and having to start over if you don't that you'll just <laughs> stop talking to me what's frustrating is i'm watching austin do this and he's had it confirmed through a single statement and then through actual experimentation, how it works when you're questioning Mustafa. And so why would you ask the question, wait for a response? Wouldn't you just ask the question three times in rapid succession, not allowing him to spit on you or talk about having to kill him and all that other stuff? Just rush through it get the three questions out of the way up front, and then you're good. Because Austin's not very practical. <laughs> you know, if the roles were reversed and Felicity was the one questioning Mustafa and Austin was the one who had him in a headlock, not only would they find out exactly where the volcano layer is, but they would find out all of its weaknesses. They would be able to go straight there. This movie would be over way before we learn too much about Dr. Evil's plans here in 1969 because Felicity would get all the information they need and they would just handle it. That's very true. Unfortunately, she's just kind of like sidekicking at this point. Well, she is a foreign agent working with a someone who is operating in their native land. Like She's a just out of courtesy working with an idiot. But essentially what's happening is that the US is letting someone borrow their agent and you know Felicity's not in her own house so she's got to you know take off her shoes at the door and make sure she you know, asks before she grabs a glass out of the cabinet so she can get some water. Like, there are certain, you know, etiquettes involved when you go over to someone else's house. Well, that's true. But, I mean, do you go to over to somebody else's house to um, stop them from getting assassinated? Well, what I do on my own time <laughs> is not always what I like to share on the podcast. Okay. But I'm not going to rule it out. Fair enough. <laughs> You might be a secret I always, agent. I get it. I always feel like it's good etiquette when you're at someone else's house. If someone breaks in to try and kill them, as the guest, it's just polite to headlock the attacker so that the owner of the house can interrogate them. And if you can bring a guest for your hostess, that's even better. It sounds eerily like you've done this before. <laughs> 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 uh, so uh, note to self if you want to really 
theatrical uh, house party. Invite Rick. Something fun might happen. You might get like dinner and a show. I mean, at the very least, I'll bring a bottle of something nice just to say thank you for letting me into your home. I'm sure this dinner party will be very nice with very minimal killing. <laughs> but here's your bottle of wine anyway. I might need it to break it over somebody's head later. <laughs> well, we found out his weakness. We're trying to exploit it. But we can't really exploit it here. Because Austin can't, for whatever reason, be swift about this. Nope. See, I'm trying to think in a situation like this, what would be my pet peeve that would keep me from being an effective assassin? And I'm just thinking that the first thing that comes to mind is that I just can't stand waiting around. Like, I would be a terrible assassin because I would not be able to lay in wait to ambush someone. I'd be sitting there on the roof of some building with a sniper rifle that I packed out of a suitcase or a briefcase or whatever you want to say. And I'd be sitting up on there or the roof and I'd be like constantly glancing at my watch, getting really bored. Meanwhile, my quarry comes and goes and I don't even notice because I'm like playing on my phone. I would make a terrible assassin because of that. Yeah, you seem like the the C-rated like dead shot. <laughs> You're like sometimes shot. Like, if I'm gonna be an international spy slash assassin like Mustafa, I don't want to drive out to the middle of nowhere in my car and wait on the side of the road for forty-five minutes, an hour and a half, waiting for. The British, secret a sec the British secret agent and his CIA counterpart to drive by. I want to show up maybe like five, ten minutes ahead of time, ideally. Uh, so you're not in it for the long game. You can't do stakeouts. No. <laughs> I got stuff to do. Like, sure, fulfilling a hit contract for an evil secret organization and whatnot is important, and it may be my job, but like, I don't want to wait around all day. But what else do you have to do? Well, I could go to the dry cleaner. Uh, to pick up your other fez? Yeah. Okay. Like, sitting around is just, it's, it's my three question pet peeve. Okay. So I had a weird, like, I wish somebody would make this because I think it'd be really funny. Take your face and put you on the... I don't know if you've seen the gif of the little fish from Spongebob where he's sitting in his car and then in his bed and then brushing his teeth and then back in the car and then at work and <laughs> just put your face on that fish and like that's your nightmare. Yeah. All right, guys, get to it and then send it to Rick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Johnny, do you have a three-question-esque weakness that would keep you from being an international assassin uh i get really annoyed by people's lack of uh spatial or social awareness mm. so like if you can't tell that like you're in the way 
Or if you can't read a room, like I get very anxious. Because like there are specific instances where I just get like so antsy if I watch like a single person or a group of people just like not care or realize that they're annoying to other people. (laughs) Oh, I could see you dressed up in whatever you choose to assassinate people in at a big old fancy party and you've got this syringe of poison and you've got to inject someone and you're just in a crowded room full of people and there's this guy, I don't know, talking about insurance or something dumb like that and you're just trying to get past this group of people so you can assassinate someone just stuck because these guys don't know to not block the walkway. The good news is I'll pack extra syringes so that like those people aren't a problem anymore. (laughs) (laughs) it's just like ah it's so annoying and sometimes you just like want to look at them and be like hey you're annoying and also in the way do you realize that these people don't care about your car insurance claims like please let them drink their wine in peace and get out of my way i have a job to do (laughs) (laughs) uh I promise I'm a really nice person and I keep it on the inside when it comes to like stuff like that. But you'll get a look if you have like no spatial or social awareness from me. (laughs) Uh, I just think it's because I'm like overly conscientious about other people. So I want everybody to have a good time. And those people are Debbie Downers to me. (laughs) That's fair. That is very fair. So don't be a Debbie Downer. That's my PSA. (laughs) There you go. Although I will add that feline AIDS is still the number one killer of household cats. So visit the vet. Make sure they're fine. Take care of your fur babies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm just still marveling at his stupidity. Both of the men in this minute. God, can Felicity doesn't have to do everything. She shouldn't have to. Uh, well, do you want to take this stupidity to Thursday? That sounds like a good plan to me because I don't think we'll get too much more out of Mustafa in this minute. He seems to have clammed up tight. Yep. We got to ask some more questions and concession to see what happens. But I do have a question for you. Since it's your very familiar hump day, I might as well ask it now. Tell me when Julia walked out. All right. (laughs) So as I mentioned on Monday, my co-host Julia saw this movie in the theater and when she got to the scene following the (laughs) the collection of the stool sample and they're in the lab and austin has poured himself a big old cup of what he thinks is coffee she started to get grossed out and then when he takes the opportunity to sip what he thinks is coffee even though basil tells him that it's shit 
and he drinks it anyway and concludes, oh yes, this is shit. That's where she walked out. Julia gets so incredibly grossed out by stuff like that that she just can't handle it. Wow. And so Julia sitting in the theater in 1999 is like, I can't believe I paid money for this. This is disgusting. I'm out of here. I'm done. Wait, so did she like, how did she sit through it this time or did she not? Oh, she sat through it this time because I was there on the couch next to her laughing at it. (laughs) And so she covered her eyes, didn't look at it, reminded herself that she didn't have to pay six, seven dollars this time around to see it. It was free. (laughs) It was free. So it was a bit easier to stomach. And even at that point, it was not very easy to stomach because it was still absolutely disgusting. I mean, it is one of the most disgusting scenes. Yeah. Thanks to one of the most disgusting characters in this movie. Well, yes. Which is, I figured it had to do with him somehow, that she would be completely grossed out. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't blame her. Because, I mean, it's a hard thing to watch, even now. But, you know, it's just a little blip in the movie. But I guess if it's your deal breaker, that's your deal breaker. Yeah, it's that scene from Family Guy where Peter is just sitting in the theater and he stands up, raises a hand and says, done, and walks out. (laughs) How many movies has she walked out of? I'm not entirely sure. I don't think I've ever asked her for a number. But that's a very interesting conversation topic that I will have to bring up. You're like, uh, do you know how many movies you've walked out of and which ones? I, for one, have never walked out of a movie because movies are not cheap. <laughs> and I will sit through just about anything. I once took a girl to see the movie Hero with Jet Li, which is an entirely subtitled kung fu fighting movie. And I sat through and I watched that entire thing, completely ignoring her, because I paid however much money. I need to follow this movie, otherwise I wasted my money, completely forgetting the point of bringing someone to a theater. Wow. Because I was young at the time, and dumb. I'm still dumb, I'm just not quite as young. (laughs) I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie either, particularly because, like, you get to choose the movie that you go to most of the time. Yeah. So, you know, generally you want to be there or you just don't I'm go see much the movie. More likely, I'm much more likely to stop watching a movie at home than I am to walk out of a movie in a theater. I think I've only... Oh, yeah, I do it at home more. I, okay, I have this thing. I guess it's like my like empath, like hyper empatheticness. Uh, <laughs> when things get really awkward, like really awkward, like, uh, like typical, like Judd Apatow awkward, mm-hmm. I like, I get so much anxiety that I have to like leave. Oh. Or like change the channel or something. I imagine that you had a very hard time watching any episode of the show Freaks and Geeks then. Um, yeah. That show was like nonstop awkward. Yeah, and the his new series, like Love. 
I also have walked away from watching Master of None. <laughs> like, I've just like left the room. I'll get up off the couch and be like, Mark, I can't do this. And like, I'll walk out. <laughs> and he's like, but wait, I'll pause. It. And I go, no, keep watching it because I'm not coming back. Like, just you finish it. I can't do this. And I'll like go do something else for like 20 minutes to calm down. Like one of the episodes of Love was so bad that I just got up and took a shower. I was like, I can't. I have to take myself out of this. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm like that. I guess it's just because like. I feel how I would feel if that happened to me and I like get really upset. <laughs> you have this weird like empathetic connection. You have this weird empathetic connection to the people that you see on the screen. Yes. It's strange. Yeah. I don't know. Then you must love the scene that comes later where you've got all of Dr. Evil's henchmen and they're watching the shadows cast on the tent and they just feel so awkward. Yeah. Yeah, that one. And then I also I loved the scenes, but I was like remembering how I felt watching Jerry Springer, too. But the Jerry Springer scenes, I was like, wow, that brought me back. That's for sure, because I was one of those kids. If I stayed home sick from school, I would watch Jerry Springer because daytime TV is garbage. And that is just the most garbage of all the garbage. But I mean, it's like garbage that you are okay watching because you know it's bad. Yeah, it's like going to the dump and seeing all of the trash piled up. And you're like, you know what? My house doesn't look anything like that. So I feel better about myself. But I'll watch this trash fire for like 30 minutes and then move on to another trash fire. And it's just entertainment. Because my interpersonal situations may be weird but at least they're not that weird at least uh i wind up not wrestling someone on daytime television <laughs> exactly oh so i've been watching this minute on loop as we've been talking about it and there is a maneuver that i want to call everyone's attention to so about five seconds into this minute mustafa has his kukiri raised he's yelled dactari he's charging austin and as chart and charging austin and as austin goes into his judo pose felicity slides to the right side of the screen and she does this thing with her hand where she takes both of her fingers she points to her eyes and then she points those fingers at mustafa to let him know that she's got her eyes on him and it's a split second thing but it's so great oh my god I just saw it. Friggin' love Heather Graham. She's awesome. She's just such a cool lady. Well, I can't even say anything after that. She's just awesome. <laughs> You'll get no argument from me. <laughs> she's smart. She's fast and athletic and she's beautiful and it's like she triple is threat. she is distractingly gorgeous very much so <laughs> i just want her hair really bad like not the blondness but like the volume just want hair that good i mean heck i'd like to be headlocked <laughs> but you know just to say hey there was this one time where i got put in a headlock by Heather Graham and people would say, really? That's a weird story to tell it. I'd say, well, it's true. And then 
I'd have nothing more to contribute to the conversation. It'd be a little awkward <laughs> until someone changes the subject. <laughs> it's just your little fun fact that you like to throw out at a party. Yeah. I think that's good. Well, do you have anything else for this minute? That's all I've got. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're going back to your uncomfortable Thursday tomorrow. (laughs) The undiscovered country. Yeah, but we get to maybe discover nothing. We get to discover nothing tomorrow, unfortunately, (laughs) from Mustafa, because something happens. But you'll have to come see what happens to him on Thursday like the rest of us. Um, But do you want to go ahead and plug yourself up, Rick? Certainly. All of my stuff, podcasting-wise, can be found at madmaxminute.com, where me and my co-host Julia watch the Mad Max movies one minute at a time, as the name would suggest. We are on Twitter, at Mad Max Minute, and we can be found on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, which will lead you to our listener group called Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Awesome. We'll come back tomorrow for Minute 34 where we can figure out what happens to Mustafa. But don't forget, stay groovy. Groovy.